Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks of Lean Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hallam, joined by... Joined by your new recliner chair. Oh, it's so nice. You just, you just, you come on and you just see Mark just looking like he's being massaged from the waist down. Like, you you just see... Hey! (laughs) And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and, um... We need to be in as much of a relaxing position as possible because today we're covering three more cartoons featuring a character that we are trying, really trying to enjoy. And I think today we may have actually figured out how to make him work. uh, And that is Foghorn Leghorn. Yes, uh, we've covered uh, him previously in two episodes. And what's infamous about those two episodes is that Foghorn Leghorn as a character... He's really nothing. nothing. He's really just a character where I feel like you have to write the scenario around Foghorn. Like, like, like where the Bugs Bunny cartoon? He has such a dynamic personality. You could put him anywhere. That's the great thing about Bugs or Daffy or anything else. With Foghorn Leghorn, you have to either write a damn funny, interesting scenario around him or... Give him a supporting cast to do really good around. You know, it, it just occurred to me, Falcon would actually do be a good character for a 90s WB animated uh, cartoon show. Because he's very yeah. much that type, I think. Where, like, he has to be around a good supporting cast in order to actually be funny. More than Taz, honestly. You, you, like, you want to get, like, T-shirts out of, like, the Barnyard Dog and, and Henry and some... Uh, some awful idea for a, a female character that has no re- connection to the, the original shorts. You know, yeah, yeah. Foghorn, we found some that we can tolerate from Foghorn on this show, and we've also found a lot that we just can't get around. Banty Raids, I think, is the, the, the patron state of the what are we even doing here. That was the worst one, because it was Lean Tunes trying to be hip and cool, and it's McKimson, so nothing he's ever done is hip and or cool. So yeah. It was a voice that made me dislike Mel Blanc because it's just like, hey, he's a man of a thousand voices, and that one pissed me off. Just him going, let's be buppity slide, yo. So the ones recurring today are The Leghorn Blows at Midnight, Sock-a-doodle-doo, ending with The High and the Flighty. All three of these cartoons are directed by Robert McKimson. All three of these cartoons are from the 1950s. And all three of these cartoons are, I would say, and, and we're going to get into you know quality, obviously, but I would say these are above the standard for most Foghorn cartoons, honestly. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, because we're going in like, all right, we're going to have a slog. We're going to need to really figure out how to fill time here. And these are actually all decent if not great so the first one we're covering here is the leghorn blows at midnight i hope so it came out on may 6th 1950 well i you know i got two very interesting on this days uh, okay. one is science fiction related and one is hollywood so, which one do you want to hear first? Science fiction or Hollywood? I want to hear the science fiction one, because I just watched Day the Earth Stood Still a couple days ago. Well, on this day, Collier's Magazine published Ray Bradbury's There Will Come Soft Rains, hmm. describing the aftermath of a nuclear holocaust with the hmm. setting of a computer-controlled house that continued to operate after the death of its occupants. Cool. And at the time, the story was set in a fictional city in California... With the then future date of April 28th, 1985. Oh. However, when the story was later reprinted as a chapter in Bradbury's book, The Martian Chronicles, the future date would be revised to August 4th, 2026. Okay, so we only got two more years. 
uh, before the nuclear So violation. there's your end date for the show, everybody, because yeah. it's going to be a nuclear holocaust that kills all of us. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad that we'll... I'm glad that the nuclear holocaust will happen after the 2026 All-Star Game in Philly. Because <laughs> that's the last thing I'm really looking forward to. After that, it's fine. As long as I can, as long as I can see an All-Star Game in my city. Um, great. There's my priorities. Yeah, uh, Bradbury is one of those guys that I, I like what I've read from him. Uh, he's, he's, he's had some good luck. I mean, maybe not in terms of full adaptations. There's been some really bad movies made from his work. But he wrote a Twilight Zone episode called uh, I Sing the Body Electric, uh, which is about a robot grandmother. That's one of my sentimental favorites. I've always liked that one. And in the world of Hollywood, English-American actress Elizabeth Taylor, who was 18 at the time, marries to the heir of the Hilton estate, Conrad Nicky Hilton, age 23. Now, was that her first marriage or her second? Because I know that she got... Eight of them. First. Oh, that was number one. It Damn. was the first. Right. <laughs> number one. Uh, they divorced in 1951. Yeah. I, I don't even know if it lasted a year. It didn't. <laughs> even. Most of Elizabeth Taylor's marriages don't really last. Because um, <laughs> obviously she, she was married eight times. Like, like you know, it's, it's a lot of people were like, actually, you know what? Never mind. Like, the, and the thing is, is that. In the last several years of her life, someone ever, occasionally, whenever they did an interview with Elizabeth Taylor, would go, do you want to marry again? And there were two answers that I believe both of these made the soup. The Joe McHale's The Soup, which is how I found oh, out of yeah. them. Yeah. One of them was... <laughs> I'll do the less funny one first. One of them was... Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> the other one, and I'm going to... If I can try and send you the clip, the clip is definitely out there because it's one of the funniest fucking things. <laughs> the one where she's like, hey, would you want to get married again? She goes, marriage? Ooh, I'm going to howl. Joe McHale would have it. so much fun with that. <laughs> I know you're going to want to put oh, the real man. one in there, but my impression of it is very good. I'll have it both go at the same. No, no. I'll do a stereo experience, but one the left channel, one the right channel. Be Great. Freaking- It'll be amazing. Marriage? No! I'm going to howl. It, it preached on this day. So again, yeah. this was directed by Robert McKimson, written by Warren Foster. Okay. And um, we had this episode in the job for a while. Um, it, it occurred to me as I was, I was, as I was just about to start notes for this, um, two in a row, I believe. Um, this short's also on Lane Tunes Collector's Choice Volume 2. Yeah. So that's nice that it was like that recent that that was included in somewhere. You know, I'm glad that there was nothing that held this one off because this is not a very irreverent cartoon. It's not like there's anything in this like, oh, no, maybe we don't need to do that for a while. It was just like, all right, there's another Foghorn cartoon. Here it is. And, yeah. Yeah. So something I noticed um, immediately is that we begin with essentially a day in the life of Foghorn Leghorn and the Barnyard Dog. I, I, I say, I, I read the news today. Oh, boy. Yes. Yes. Big, big Beatles fan. Probably. Yeah. Um, Not a fan of those beatniks, but he's a fan of the Beatles, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Foghorn is just playing cards by himself, singing doo-dah, doo-dah. And then the barnyard dog just comes up behind him with cymbals yeah. for no reason. And yeah. just... <laughs> just crashes symbols over Foghorn's head. A lot of these early gags is just reestablishing the hook of these that the barnyard dog and, and Foghorn have a beef, and like I guess there's a couple of these that are just like okay. First of all, they're fighting, and the next guy gets to establish that uh, the barnyard dog is on a on a short leash, and um, you know it always goes off, and Foghorn always runs over to the end of it. And these there aren't there isn't that much to these opening gags, but at least it's done without a lot of dialogue, and at least the gag mentality is shining yeah. through there. But yeah, it's very much establishing what the hook of these cartoons are. One that I did like is the next one. Foghorn just takes a pie that's hanging on the windowsill, takes off Cherry, goes to the dog, does an impression of a cat to get him out of the house. Yeah, I like, like that. Slam, yeah. puts down, puts on the Cherry. Then the dog tries to, um, he does this multiple times on the cartoon, just runs out, gets yanked by the rope, just a yipe. And like, 
What is this device? Foghorn puts his device onto the barnyard dog that tightens him. Like, he's just like, ha, 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 tightens even more. I wasn't sure what that was either. I'm, I'm sitting here going like, okay, just going to cut off the air to his windpipe. <laughs> yeah, that's a way of getting back at him. Nearly suffocate him. I say, I say, boy, this is my kink. Um, anyway, so... If there's any Looney Tunes character where I really don't want to know about his kinks, it is Foghorn Leghorn. Although, in one of the in one of the next couple, you do get an idea about where he stands on some of them. But we'll get to there in a little bit. So, our character that's that's in, that's brought into the story is Henry Hawk. Yeah. He just walks in. The, the Henry Hawk's already happened. People know who Henry Hawk is. This is a character who. He was introduced was I think was supposed to be a lead, and then Foghorn. T- I guess you're like well, actually Foghorn were interesting. To which I say, after watching this cartoon, yeah. are you sure about that? Are you sure? Um, <laughs> it was easier to make Foghorn cartoons than it was Henry cartoons. I think. So you know, Henry shows up. He's like, I'm a chicken hawk. I want to eat a chicken. It's it's another one where it's and this was an early hook of a lot of these Henry and Foghorn cartoons. It's it's the dog. And Foghorn trying to bamboozle the kid into getting him uh, against the other one because he doesn't know better. And so it's it's just gags where it's like, you know, he tries to get one, tries to get the other. And so he goes to the dog first, and that gets him after Foghorn. So Henry's tying a pumpkin down because he just has that lying around. Yeah. And this is where we get our first, like, lengthy Foghorn Leghorn talking sequence. And um, I don't know about you, this... This must be early, because Mel's Foghorn Leghorn voice in this. Now, what's that? I see. Now, what's that boy up to? Better check on it, yeah. Hey, boy, what's going on here? What you trying to do? Oh, no. Back off there, son. You'll never do it. You're not strong enough. Job like this got to have a know-how. There you are, boy. Your pumpkin is tied down pretty. It's almost there. It's almost Foghorn Leghorn, but, like... Not quite. It's, it's It sounds more like it's just Mel doing a southern accent. Like it, it's like it's like if Sylvester was in the South, which we covered last week. We know how that goes, but still. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, no, it does sound kind of prototypical, especially compared to the other two that we have here, where it's definitely his foghorn. I like the timing of of this this pumpkin gag because it's, it's foghorn passing Henry tying down a pumpkin to like a slingshot or something like that. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember when I did that as a kid. You know, I remember, say, I never tied down that pumpkin. Say, what? Say, son, what's, what are you trying on a pumpkin for? Bam. <laughs> that got me, honestly. It's just in the pumpkin. Like, uh, that's a silly question. Girl, silly answer. Yeah, I like that. So we get this next, se- this next sequence where Henry goes up to Falkhorn and like, listen, you're a chicken. Come on, I ain't got all day. <laughs> oh, Mr. Chicken Hawk, don't take me home. I don't want to roast in any old black oven. I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> and I love the little movie he has here where he, where he, right when he's about to go into his, his acting, he just sort of goes to us. He goes, <laughs> and he just goes right in. <laughs> That's it's like, listen, listen, boy, I'm, I'm old, I'm weathered. Feel, feel my wing, boy. It's not strong, not tender. I say, I told you, feel my wing, boy. He just has Henry run up to him to feel his wing. I say, Joey, feel my wing, boy. You like film about Gladiator's son? Which I, I will, I will say that moment is like the most personality I've seen in Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> like, like he's not really like this. In the later cartoons, he's just kind of a catchphrase-throwing basic character. He actually has some personality to him. The thing about this cartoon that I, I realized eventually was that the little things were stronger than the the big parts and the plot and the things. So, like, just like as Foghorn is carrying Henry over, he he's singing himself a little bit, and he just goes, he throws in a little, you know, like he's, he's um. Like, like the third verse is just like da 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 da. Quiet, boy. Yeah. Also, it's around here that I noticed that because there's a moment where Henry is stuttering a little bit, where I went, "Oh, Henry Hawk is just Bell doing Porky Pig, but it's sped up even more." That's a little bit. Yeah. That's what it is, I think. So he gets vashing cream bed, 
And again, Foghorn's doing some endearing acting here. It's like, oh, yeah, it's here you go, boy. Hey, where'd you go, son? Where are you? Where'd you <laughs> go? Great. I don't know. Henry, with all the confidence in the world of being invisible, goes right to the dog, going like, hey. <laughs> hey, ferret, because for, for some reason, Foghorn told him that the dog's a ferret. Pheasant. It's a yeah. ferret. Pheasant. Whiff, whiff. Same thing? Uh, it's a pheasant. And then just, yes, I'll get you. Yeah, name come. This is a very, very common early era. Yeah, just. I got you now, you nincom. Yeah, I like I like it just how casually he just puts the mirror in front of him. Just like, kid, kid. <laughs> also, I did like the little evil laugh Henry Hawk does. He's like, ah. It's just, again, the little things in this car. There's a couple of small things yeah. that you went, that you, you skipped over. Like like the visual of, of the dog shoved into the glass running after him. That's funny. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's also a really good uh, golf gag because it subverts the expectation because he swings, uh, he puts a golf ball in the dog's nose and swings back. And you think he's going to hit the ball, but he actually hits the dog and the, the ball falls. Yeah, that's that's a really clever punchline there. Again, just the little things in between the parts that we've already sort of tread upon in these Foghorn cartoons and the very basic story. Like, th that's what does a lot of the heavy lifting here. Not like the, you know, the broad strokes of, of what usually goes on here. So we go over to this hillside as... Uh... Foghorn is with Henry Hawk, and Henry's like, I, I can't do it. Uh, I can't do this. It's too much work. I can't do it. Leading Foghorn to give a very uplifting speech. You can't quit now, son. You come from a long line of fighting hawks. There was a hawk at Bunker Hill with John Paul Jones, with Washington at Yorktown, and at Gettysburg. Bring on the pheasant. Where is he? I love the simple drawings. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like staked figures of like a Henry of like the Hawk family. That's what he imagines. Yeah, and uh, I do love this this expression on Foghorn's face after Henry's convinced he's gonna do it. He walks over. And it's like it's like it's an odd angle of Foghorn Leghorn, but it's really funny. So we then get this ending bit where um the Barnog is like listen listen you're a chicken hawk get the chicken i'll help you I untie me yeah. and i'll help you yeah and what i love about this ending so much is that you know because we, we've done the the on the leash thing that Fogger messes with him multiple times um the the, the one before this um Fogger just has an accordion yeah. and he just plays an accordion over the yeah. one your dog's head. And you finally subvert that by undoing the leash and then actually finally. setting him loose on him. Yeah, just like, oh no, I'll get you your chicken. And just bark, bark, bark. Fire <laughs> jumps over the wall. <laughs> he does a full impression of himself hitting the line. That's great. <laughs> like, I say, I say, I've been bamboozled. As they tussle it out, you have Henry Hawk in the corner with the with a colt with a freaking hot pot ready. Yeah. They're like, yeah, go, go pheasant, go chicken, go pheasant, go chicken. I don't care who wins. Either way, I'm gonna eat the loser. <laughs> yeah, I don't care who wins, I'll fricassee the loser, which is also how the media views the twenty twenty four election. Yeah. <laughs> which politician would you eat, Jordan? Ah, uh, the rich one. Anyway. Um So yeah. That's where we end the cartoon here. And, um, not a bad one. No. Really, I, mean, I think having Henry Hawk helps a lot. Plus the camaraderie between <clears throat> him and Foghorn Langhorn is a nice spin on the typical Foghorn short. It, it's it's a character that betters Foghorn Langhorn. And also just Foghorn is written better in this. Yeah. I don't know why. He's just, I don't know, he has a little more, again, more personality, not so much a catchphrase spewing jackass. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little bit more likable than this. Yeah, this cartoon, again, it did a lot of little things right to make up for the very clear story problems of being a Foghorn Leghorn cartoon. This, it was a very simple story. It was before they really knew how to do really good story hooks in these, as we'll see in the next couple. Um, it's a simple setup without much going on. The gags have to do a lot of the work here. Because the dialogue isn't really something I love in these, and there's not a lot of really well- written moments because you can't write for uh foghorn as well as you can write for somebody like bugs or daffy 
the gags and a lot of the little moments did impress me throughout. I liked a lot of the little pieces of this. And I did like the ending as well. Um, this was, I, I, I'm recounting it. I'm, I'm sort of, like, I, I was higher on it during the watch and now recounting, I was like, huh, there's really not a lot that goes on here, is there? And, and, and so I liked it, but it just, it's, it's still, of the three in this episode, I think it's, it's the weakest one, I would say. I respectfully disagree. I'm going to give this short 3.5 out of 5 anvils. I'm also going to give it a 3.5. I was teetering oh, on okay. giving it a 3, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty strong one. Uh, it's just a few too many derivative and kind of passable moments for me. All right, Jordan, now uh, cover this next one that finally answers the question, why haven't the Looney Tunes covered PTSD? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a dark one if you really think about it. Uh, Sock a doodle Do, which was released on May the 10th, 1952. Uh, on this day at uh, Le Festival de Cannes in in France, uh, Orson Welles' Tragedy of Othello is awarded the Grand Prix Award. Uh, it's not a will as I've seen, but it's one of his Shakespeare ones, so you can make a case that it's probably pretty good anyway. This is a Robert McKimson film written by Ted Pierce. Um, interesting uh, guest vocalist on this one. Sheldon Leonard, who was in, at this point in his career... Uh, known for being a frequent Jack Benny show performer, uh, provides the oh, voice wow. of uh, Kid Banty. No, that's what he was in 1952. His career picks up because he becomes a very successful TV producer um, and becomes the producer behind shows like uh, I Spy, uh, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Andy Griffith Show, a lot of the big guns oh. of early 50s and 60s TV. Before you get somebody like Norman Lear or Aaron Spelling or Shonda Rhimes, you get somebody like Sheldon Leonard. Now, how I first heard about Sheldon Leonard, and this is going to be a little telling in terms of some of my comedy education. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I think I know who comes into this. Well, I already sort of mentioned because he, he produced I Spy. And um, Sheldon Leonard is the reason that you've heard of Bill Cosby. Uh, oh. well, I mean, maybe not the reason. Did you think I was going to say somebody else? No, I thought you know, Sheldon Leonard, Big Bang Theory, who yeah. were the main characters in that show? Sheldon and Leonard. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, yeah. Sheldon Sheldon Leonard, yeah, uh, is 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 how you get Sheldon Cooper and Leonard Hofstadter. Yeah. That no, what I what I first knew him from was Bill Cosby because I when I was a kid, I, um, I I listened to a lot of Bill Cosby's comedy albums, uh, would memorize them um, while on the bathtub, and which is is a prime place to be listening to Bill Cosby because that's where he gets most of his work done, as we find out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But um. I. He, he has a routine. And, and these were 60s albums. These were in his heyday when he was doing I Spy and, and his first uh, sitcom before he became Cliff Hust. Before he became Cliff Huxtable and started doing all the terrible shit. Um, but he he has a routine where he talks about Sheldon Leonard. He, 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 he says, because he, he basically ends his set by kidding Sheldon Leonard because he's, he, he does an, uh, a recount of an anecdote Sheldon Leonard used to tell him about his honeymoon uh, at Niagara Falls, and um, and she's like, yeah, this is Sheldon Leonard. I think that this was before there was hair. Like uh, he went to Niagara Falls back when they, they opened up Niagara Falls, basically making all these old jokes. And he talks about basically just this this story he always talks about about diving into Niagara Falls in frigid water, and just this this highfalutin sort of like. Uh, and so I did a swan dive into the falls, yes, and just things like that. And it's, it's a very funny bit. And, but that was how I knew Sheldon Leonard because he talked about Sheldon Leonard as, as just, you know, he's my boss. You know, I work for Sheldon Leonard and he tells the story. And so I, I, I knew that from that. So here's Sheldon Leonard back when he was still doing, you know, he was still an actor and, and uh, personality. I was like, oh, Sheldon Leonard. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> great. <laughs> Sheldon Leonard, lovely. And he plays Kid Banty in this. And, you know, <laughs> so yeah, Sheldon Leonard. Also, I will say, um, 
this next the shirt covering Jordan um is not available on home media anywhere. Really? No. What, is it going on Tunes Wiki? It was. It's on. I think it's on the Boomerang streaming service. It was on Max until they got rid of the fifty stuff. Oh, okay. And that's it. I mean, so maybe it'll be on number four. Yeah. Who knows? This is actually an interesting setup for any cartoon, a little one, a Foghorn Langer cartoon, in that it is essentially partially the plot to Chicken Run, <laughs> where a prized entertainer rooster gets stranded on a nearby farm. Although here it's a bit more specific. He's this this uh, star fighting rooster. Uh, so yes, that means that this uh, this cartoon um, entertains the possibility of cockfighting, which is probably why it hasn't been released on a DVD or Blu-ray or anything. You know, that's maybe not something that Warner Brothers needs to really be um, taking a stand for or against, or probably against. But yeah, um, but yeah, the whole thing is that like he's this this prized fighting rooster, and he and his crate gets uh, tipped on uh, as as, his, as the truck is is heading to the next fight. And he, he the crate lands and he lands uh, out of nowhere on the farm and he encounters our heroes in this and um, already you get a sense of Sheldon Leonard's voice for this and it's a pretty simple radio voice it's it's a sort of yeah why I order uh, right there you know something like that and it's it's fine you know Sheldon uh, he's fine at this I'm not I'm not exactly going to say stick to producing you know it's fine um, but immediately you get basically. His hook, no pun intended, where, you know, he immediately comes around a cow and, you know, the bell around the cow's neck uh, is, is rung and he immediately goes into action because anytime he hears a bell, he thinks that the, the fight is starting. And so he starts, you know, you know, punching and things. And I love the sound effects in this bit as well, because a gong goes off when he punches the cow. And you just see the stunned cow up against the tree going, anyone for buttermilk? <laughs> okay so that's a funny yeah. this bit for some reason be, because they do it so abrashedly it's like you know, they're, bah! they're taken out immediately I don't know just the visual of a chicken beating a cow humors me well, if that humors me, I've got one Cartoon Network 9D show for you. Oh, how far did it make it in the Cartoon Network show leads? Locate on the early channel on YouTube.com. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was an honorable mention. Um, I, I, I basically brought it up because I'm like, look, I watched this. It rotted my brain, but I watched it. <laughs> we go from this to our heroes where Foghorn and the Vineyard Dog are are doing another one of their many let's try and get the uh, let's try and fuck the other one over gags and i like this one because it's it's the barnyard dog building something to a telescope to see a flying saucer and it is a, a very built up gag but i like the payoff where it's literal it's a literal tea saucer uh, being flung at foghorn through the telescope followed by the teacup I like that. I love Foghorn's reaction. No, I say no, I can see one. I can see it just as plain one. But it's a hidden right for us. We're gone. This also has the one or two lumps joke, but at least McKimson only does it the once here rather than three times. Yeah. And then we have Kid Banty entering this conflict. And once again, again, it's, a, as you said, it's very random whenever this happens where, you know, a bell sounds... And, you know, the kid Banty immediately goes into action and punches Foghorn. And, and that actually, that got me. Although I can see how that can be polarizing to people, especially with the repetitions. And also, that's just direct cockfighting. <laughs> it's a chicken hitting another chicken. It absolutely is. Yeah. Sure. I also love Foghorn after that guy going, anybody, I say, anybody got the number of that truck? <laughs> sure. And this is where Foghorn kind of gets the gist of what's going on with Kid Banty and sort of feels him out. And he has a line here. Uh, His muscles are as soggy as a used tea bag. Mark, is that another old school in Uando you were telling me about? Oh, that's not the um, unintended sexual moment I had planned for this episode. That comes later oh. in, in your short, actually. Oh. Okay. Because, well, this short has an intended sexual moment, but that's, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
That's a verb too. Yeah, but okay. But yeah, obviously, you know, Foghorn sticks him on um, on the dog, and the dog is is, is realizes what's going on, and Fog- and Kid Banshee sort of explains, oh, you know, every time I, I hear a bell, you know, I go I, I get right, and he explains basically his PTSD, which you know, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but um, he he said, I. Look, again, I get why this hasn't been released on home media. Because if there's any Looney director I would trust to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, it's the third best Looney Tunes director in the place. Like, like at least, oh, oh, who did un- yeah. Norman Normal? Who, who who did that one? That was um Alex Lowley, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the one that made the director. I think. That guy did a good job. I don't know what his... Yeah. What is McKimson's psychological background besides hating my wife? I don't think he is. I don't think he has any psychological background. I think the people who've worked with him have some. But, um, you know, I think that he's, he's as, as vanilla-flavored, neurotypical as they come, which is why this is so infuriating, because it's like, all right, the punchline of this cartoon is that PTSD. And so both of these characters are going to weaponize this PTSD against each other. Now, again, this didn't really occur to me, admittedly, until us running through this now. Because the mm. cartoon is like, okay, that's a, that's a fun hook. But now I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's not. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah, but I'm like, th- th- this cartoon at least does funny things. Like again, like when when Kid Banty goes back over to Foghorn and Foghorn notices him, and there's a random like brass hit when he's like, he turns around and goes, <laughs> I like that. But yeah, so a lot of the rest of this is is just both of them trying to ring a bell in the vicinity of the other one and get Kid Banny to punch them. And it, it is, yeah. The one that got me was, um, you know, because it's like, oh, listen, listen, son, uh, go over to the dog. He has a punching bag for you. And then yeah. he comes back with a package. Like the, the dog's giving the package. It's at this point Foghorn knows, oh, if a bell rings, he's going to beat someone up. And the package gets opened, and I do like just Foghorn, like, no, son's a booby trap, don't. Opens up package, it's clearly a clock. While Foghorn's like, what is that, son? Like, I like that. (laughs) I like that he knows that it's a trap and doesn't know how yet. Yes, that's great. Um... But also, like I, I do like as as the as as this rooster is is getting back to Foghorn, he's just playing hopscotch. It's like, what are you doing, boy? Yeah. I'm playing hopscotch. Like, I just love this idea that like, okay, we have to have Foghorn do something, or else the cartoon dies. What can he do in this moment? Yeah. he has to always be doing something, or else there's no point to him. Yeah. But I do like the, just the, the 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 blackout after that gag, and then cut to the next one where it's Foghorn bouncing over to the how the doghouse in a giant barrel and just muffled saying, "I'll say, hey dog." That's funny. And then they have this little conferring where it's like, "Okay, here's what's going on, and I need to get him a new sparring partner," and there's something like that. There were. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. the barnyard like, dog realizes what he's going like, to do. Like, Fowler, like, jumps out of the barrel. He's wearing, like, a manager's clothing. Like, okay, listen, we need a smart partner now. Get up against this thing. Yeah. Oh, I see you're too small. One second. Slits on the, like, the, the carnival game. Hits it. Dog goes up, gets hit, comes down. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the bump on your head. You're now the minimum high requirement to be the starring partner. Yeah. Which, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, to me, it pales in comparison to this ending gag. Which, I mean, who else but Robert McKimson could end a cartoon with a gag involving a peep show? Uh, just the reveal of the hula hula hut that the barnyard dog is, is looking into and leering at. <laughs> and then, of course, that gets Foghorn's attention as he's like looking for apples and even the worm that crawls out of an apple is like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but he goes over there and, and Farnia Dog's like, oh, oh you, got, you got to see this. 
and <laughs> you know Foghorn goes in and Bog- and Barnyard Dog immediately just locks him in there and Foghorn spies a peephole from above and goes I've heard of these sort of shows never been to one though suddenly this cartoon got extremely horny and interesting because I'm because you know uh, a thing when we're, we're watching older media is you don't think about these people being real human beings and having real human emotions like horniness. So the fact that that the termite, that the crew, that McKimson even was like, okay, I had a rough night with the wife. I went to a Went to those uh, private shows, you get what I mean? So let's uh, write that to the script. Just, just the writers going like, really? We, yeah. do, do we do that? Yeah. Like, do you think Eddie's going to care? I saw him there. He was enjoying oh. himself. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Seltzer would, would not even crack a smile at a, at a strip club. He'd just be sitting there with his arms crossed going... Uh-huh. And does it make money? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Chrysanthemum. Why should I give you a dollar? Give me a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. He's, just, he's collecting all the dollars from the floor and pocketing them. He's like, oh, that'll be, that'll be good for the third quarter. And it just leads to more questions. Like, when Foghorn's at this show now... Okay. Now, you're thinking, like, oh, it's like a peep show. I was thinking... And I'm going to send this over to you because this is my very, this is my direct observation and I think you would find it really funny. Oh dear. This can't be good. (laughs) It says, oh, they're making glory hole jokes in loony stuff now. You know, it's odd when my idea of a peep show is the tamer idea yeah. here. The mind of Mark Halem, folks. He's a rooster, man. You're making me look like a prude. I know. I know. And it's great. I can make these jokes while I'm swallowing in my chair. Anyways, how does this cartoon end? Yeah, it ends. Um, I, I do like this ending where it the, he, he sticks his head through the peep show and it turns out it's the it, his head is the sparring partner for Kid Banty because it's the same size and so the end of the cartoon is him getting his head socked around for an hour um, and I like that because Foghorn's a character who that works when he loses because he's funny enough when he's losing and so getting his head beaten by this kid for hours on end is a very funny out ending outcome because because Barnyard Doug keeps uh, hitting the bell thing and making him keep doing it um, again if you don't think about the ramifications it is funny I like this one. Because it had a very good plot hook, enough gags to keep it going and keep it fresh, and a good ending. I will say that I wasn't really thinking about the PTSD angle when I watched this, and now hearing it, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I was a bit too kind to this one, because uh, it is funny and it is, you know, a good uh, use and storyline for a Falcon Lake cartoon. But yeah, if it's a little insensitive to people with PTSD, especially not even six years removed from a fucking war, then. Yeah, maybe it's not great, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's more sticky than the previous one. It has some charm to it, though. I feel this is more, more okay. Funnier is the wrong word, but just like the implications are just like, wow, you guys really do a show like this, and wow. You're really, you're really putting those jokes in there, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fucked up bastards. That, that's, oh, there is this, like, edge to it. that uh, uh, It's very possible we're reading way too much into it. But, I don't know. It's a Foghorn Leon cartoon. You know, like, why not? Yeah. So, I give this a... Alright, I originally gave it a 3.5. I'm giving it a 3 uh, out of 5. I am also giving it a three out of five vandals. So I take back what I said earlier about the first one being the weakest one. So, last one we got here is The High and the Flighty. Came out on February 18th, 1956. Jordan, did you find anything on this day? Because I didn't. I just found some music stuff. Uh, Number one in the U.S. was uh, The Great Pretender by The Platters. Number one in the U.K. was 16 Tons by Tennessee Ernie Ford. That's all I got. (laughs) 
Muscle and blood and skin and bone. It sounds like a recipe. <laughs> Great episode. Um, so the short was directed by Robert McKimson, written by Ted Pierce. I think all three of these actually were. Um, so some answering notes about this cartoon. This is a one-time only pairing, if you don't count Groovy Ghoulies, which we don't, <laughs> of Foghorn Leghorn and Daffy Duck in the same cartoon. Because that's what this is. It's yeah. a Foghorn Barnyard Dog Daffy cartoon. And Daffy is very much playing the salesman role that he would play in previous cartoons, such as the Stupor Duck and uh, Daffy Dilly. So so he's kind of the yeah. you know, he's the aggressor in this. He's kind of the you know, it, it, this is a sitcom, right? Because this is you know, this is like this is 1956. Maybe by 1956, they're like, ooh, the cartoon ratings are slipping. Quick, we need a big get for this next one. Throw Daffy Duck in Special there. guest appearance by Daffy. Woo! Is this a crossover episode? <laughs> yes, yes it is. So we begin this cartoon with the smoothest animation I've ever seen of Falkhorn Leghorn. Yeah! For some, some really reason, good animation on this one in general. Yeah, the animation is really good, and it's always for, like, innocuous uh, Foghorn Leghorn shtick. I remember they cut the Foghorn Leghorn, he's, like, dancing or singing or doing something before the actual gag starts. It's, like, really well done, which, okay. You know, he is the star. He's allowed to get a higher animation budget. And I love that... At this point in the character's history, there's just a sign that demarks the dog's rope limit. <laughs> yeah, just like, dog walks over and does the classic with the wood. It's like, we're in the prime Foghorn Leghorn short story now. Goes to the dog, hits him with the paddle, run, leash gets pulled. We're in business, essentially. Again, like immediately, like after that, you get a gag where, um, where the, the dog drops a watermelon on Foghorn. And, you know, so immediately you have this, the easy stakes of this, and you're just waiting for a subversion. I do love that Foghorn, with his mouth full of watermelon, just goes, This, I say, this calls for massive retaliation. Oh, uh, you see, he can't say, of course, this means war because it got taken up by the other guy. So, yeah, so around here, Daffy shows up. And I love that. I, I do love that this, this very underrated Daffy traveling salesman character. One of these days we should get some more tra- Daffy. Any of the Daffy's traveling salesmen when we haven't uh, covered already. Yeah. There's a couple we haven't gotten to. But I like that it fits him perfectly. And also it fits this in um, really perfectly. And I also just, I like his character in this and how on he is in being the instigator between these two. It's a, it's a perfect role. Because the whole thing is he's selling both of them these practical jokes and ways to, to get even. And he's charging them. I love it. It's like, that'll be two ninety eight cash on the barrel head. And he's, he's, he's stiffing them both and getting them out of their money. And, you know, it's 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 a very good piece for him in the middle of this. Yeah, we have this the first one here where Dappy sells Foghorn this uh, spring bone. <laughs> yeah. It just gives it, gives like it to that, the yeah. dog, takes it. And we get this very nicely done nightmare image of the barnyard dog in all different directions. <laughs> this cartoon I like has the a animation lot of, of that. Lots lots of fun the animation, lots of fun with the design work here. And then yeah, eventually uh, Daffy goes over to the, the barnyard dog like, "Hey, listen, uh Well, the, before you go into that, there's a really good um line that um they have when Foghorn goes over to the dog and says, uh, "I want to bury the hatchet." And the dog oh, covers his head. Yeah. I not yeah, your point head, head, boy. Yep, that's that's, that's like a good that. line. I think that after this um is where Foghorn um, does for the first time in a while, I would say another unintentional wordplay bit, where he's like, "Hey, I made a funny spring bone." <laughs> this is the first time. I think this is one of the first recorded instances of the now uh, Zoomer vernacular. I made a funny. But also, there's a little part of me that's like, it makes sense that Foghorn is the type of character who would, who would like be like, "Oh my god, I said something actually funny," because it doesn't happen a lot in Foghorn Lego cartoons. But it's also like, <laughs> like, like, it's like Foghorn, relax, man. You got one good joke out of it. Calm down, calm down, McKimson. <laughs> so, the, so what? Um, 
what the dog tries on Foghorn is giving him a voltage-powered ear of corn. And I love that Foghorn, when he sees this ear of corn, he goes, my favorite fruit with holding grips. Holding grips is a freaking plug to go into the corn. And it's great. the idea of Foghorn, like, getting electrocuted, I have to say is funnier than the animation of Foghorn. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's popcorn. And it's, it's the whole thing becomes a thing of popcorn. It's like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. It's just, it's a really well done gag, especially at its execution. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, well, I mean, like one line of popcorn going like, hmm, what's cooking? Smells good. Oh, it's me. Oh, awesome. I do like the, the bit in the next gag where um, where Daffy's talking to Foghorn through the next one. He goes, uh, we'll show him we're not chicken. And then realizes what he's, who he's just said that to and then shrugs. I've got just the thing here. We'll show him we're not chicken. Uh, eh. It's like, wait, was I just racist? Uh, no, we're both birds. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And again, it, I, I brought this up in last week's episode. The little human moments in these are great. I love it. It's like, yeah, someone would do that in real life. She'd be like, oh, hey, man, joke there. Which happens all the time on this show. Just play and record moments of that. It's like, oh, yeah. hey, that worked out. Oh, yeah, there, there's a joke there. Yeah, yeah let's, let's keep uh, hitting that. Yeah, but this train gag... I adored this one. I don't know about you, but I adored it. Like, <laughs> it's pretty obs- creative. First of all, it really is because it's Foghorn giving, like, using, like, a little train, like, using, like, smoke and a train, like, the front of a train, a little cardboard thing, and making him think, making the dog think that a train's coming right for him. And you have that subversion of the, the doghouse going up and Foghorn going under him, and then right onto actual train tracks, which, fun fact, the, the railroad just goes through the farm. Sure. But, like, the sudden turn where Foghorn goes from being in control to fighting to stay in control by basically working the train thing to stop the actual train from coming towards him and it not working. That was great. And I just love when he cut back to um, the Daffy and Foghorn. Foghorn's all bandaged after Daffy going, like, okay, okay, we can't just let one joke that backfired pull us back. It's like, you got hit by a train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he pulls out the pipe full of fun kit number seven, which is a very fun thing because it literally says it printed on there. And I love it just... Cut over to Foghorn. He's putting it together. Pulls back the bay. Yeah. See the farmer dog walking back. And I just love Same thing. this moment. Where they're like, hey. <laughs> hey. Wait a minute. <laughs> that, uh, pipe yeah. full of fun. You got the same gag? He's the same gag. You know, he's like, act me a uh, practical joke. Yeah, act me practical jokes. Uh, pipe full of fun kit number seven. Number seven. We have been flim flam. <laughs> Which is any animated cartoon in the early 2000s doing a movie plot, apparently. <laughs> we've been flim flam. No, no, no. He says, we've been flim flammed. Barnyard Dog says, yeah, we've been hooked winged. And I just. Hoodwinked. We've been speckledorfed. It's like, it's cool. Ryan the place. That's not even a word, and I agree with you. Uh, we interrupt this can can to break. No, sorry. <laughs> so, of course, both of them ran on it. And honestly. This is kind of a simple comeuppance for Daffy because it's both of them are like, you know, they they shout and, yeah, and, and project that they're, they're turning on him and Daffy turns around and, and they pull the same rubber band bottle thing on him. And he gets bottled you up know. and the Foghorn's line's like, hey, let's see if people in the market will like bottled duck. Okay. I mean, if Okay, the cartoon would run longer, but maybe they do a bit where they just give his... They just do all the gags out of the short back to Daffy. Like, here, son, have some corn. Like, oh, thank you, sir. And then, like, you know, do a reprise. Yeah, that'd be a little funnier. But no, it's just like, let's just do this gag we were already preparing. And All right, sure. Yeah, fine. Maybe a pipe of fun uh, number six will have been better. 
Yeah, it's got to be number seven with you, babe. So, uh, lame, so, yeah. lame Gabby comeuppance. Um, however, I do like how it's more gag-focused. I like the camaraderie between Foghorn and the dog at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the different take it did with the typical Foghorn Lakehorn cartoon formula. I think it did a pretty good job yes. changing things up to a point where it was entertaining throughout. But also, like most Foghorn Lakehorn cartoons, the end gag was kind of whatever. <laughs> That's usually the case. You know, I mean, thankfully it doesn't really knock this one down too much for me, though. Uh, this is a really good one, in my opinion. The storytelling and gag work was stronger than the urge to overwrite Foghorn. This was a perfectly good escalation of the conflict. Daffy was used really well here. I liked that he was the ultimate loser in the end. Uh, it did everything right. Maybe the ending could have been a little bit better, but uh, I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, I give this an anvil rating of 3.5 out of 5. I'm actually giving it a 4 out of 5. That's fair. That's fair. You yeah, know, I I originally had a 3, and then just talking about it, I'm like, actually, no, this one actually is pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one. Eventually, we would get to covering good Final Land cartoons, you know? Just took a while. These ones were better. Yeah, yeah, much better. All right, son, let's see what you guys had to say about these Foghorn Leon cartoons. All right, frequent commenter Spiderus Prime 2 says, The High and the Flady is a bizarre Foghorn short where Sales Duck Daffy randomly appears to help both Foghorn and Barnyard Prank War. The jokes didn't land, though weird to hear... Though weird to hear Foghorn sing that early in the morning song. I, I don't get the rest of this. Yeah, no, uh, some jokes do work in that one. It, it's just weird. And pre-quote Splinter from the 90s movie. So that's a running bit from TMNT uh, 1990, where the, the whole movie, Splinter is very serious. At the very end of it, he makes a joke, and he does say, I made a funny. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so... I, I haven't seen the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm sorry, guys. Ooh. Can you imagine Mom and Pop Schmidt going, you know what, we're going to be all right with our kid watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. That's not mindless entertainment. Although I watched the animated series just fine, but that's different. Yeah, no, uh, that one is kind of weird. Um, I liked some of it. I liked the... I liked how Daffy worked off of the both of them. I think that was one of the more successful ones of that one. I don't know. I forget what I thought about all three of these. It's been a month. But yeah, no, I, your your confusion. Bizarre is a good word for it, even if I maybe don't think it it's is. as... Yeah, it's, it, it's enough. It is, because like name, like big name Looney Tune characters don't appear in Foghorn Leon cartoons. Yeah, if you're a cartoon they stay character away. And, you're, and you're appearing in a Foghorn Leon cartoon, you gotta fire your agent, wrong. man. Something's <laughs> going wrong. <laughs> it's it, it's like Dakota Johnson signing up for a Madam Web movie thing it was going to be part of the MCU and then leaving her agency when she found out. It's like, oh, fuck you. You're probably me in shit. Yes, Dakota. How yes. could you not tell? It's Sony. Can you tell? They do that. Can you tell? You were in Fifty Shades of Grey. You can't tell if it's shit or not? You did three <laughs> of them. Three! Okay. Not so one! Not two! Three! We also have a comment here from... Huh. From the Cookie Monster! Yeah, from Cookie Monster! Um, at Cookie M59786398 Better not says, be your pin number. <laughs> <laughs> who says... Why not? Sockadoodle <laughs> 2 is too repetitive and plain. Leghorn Blast. No, no. Sockadoodle no. oh, 2 is too repetitive and plain. A lot of hard blows at midnight is great. Similar to Henhouse Henry, but I love the third one. Mm. He used the greedy Davy counter to its full potential, and I love the shake of a barnyard dog and foghorn working together. Also, yeah. um, nom 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 nom. Also, me like cookie. Um, really okay. for me. It's good uh, enough for me. <laughs> These cartoons were good enough for me. Um, oh, we're man. sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Um, <laughs> he, he, he put it out there. You know, he, he yeah, allowed us. On, man. Like, <laughs> if we can't joke about that, then what's the use? We've it's joked like our about a friend. printer. 
Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very funny that both of you guys had sort of like like differing opinions on uh, the the third one, um, where like you know it's like. I, I like the third one as well. And then Spider is like, this is bizarre. It sort of works. It sort of doesn't. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's you know, it, it does a lot of things that most of these cartoons don't usually do. And that's why I think it interested me as much as it did. Again, it, it changes the dynamic. And that's something that, you know, that, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. This is definitely, in our in our, in our our opinion, is a, is a good thing. Yeah, so th- thank you so much for your comments, everybody. Thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we can do wholesome ones, too. Did I ever tell you, um, as a kid, because I'm such a Peculiar Monster fan, that um, we go to the, to the shop right by my house, and these two cheese samples, like, hey, here's, a, here's provolone, and just like, ah, yes, thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Just cook your monster that shit, you know? Yeah. What else are you going to do? Before we get to what we're covering next week, I would like to take this opportunity to thank our Patreon subscribers. That's right. We have a Patreon. If you didn't know about it, you know now. On Patreon, you can subscribe to That's Not Quite All Folks and get plenty of goodies, such as commentaries, bonus material, full uncut episode logs, Lots of fun stuff that you will get the opportunity to have at a $1 level or a $5 level. And I would just like to thank our current patrons, including Andrew, Triscrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the person, not the drink, my cousin Neil, and Judy M. for giving to this wonderful podcast. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash TNQAF. Trust me, it'll be worth it. I see from at least this week that we're doing like more like character based ones from guys that we don't talk about very often or people that we haven't really done many character based episodes on. Uh, who would that mean is next? Well, next up is a very. Okay. I was a little sarcastic with it, but I do think this character is important in the grand history of the Looney Tunes. Not as big as your, yeah. your big name. This character was in Space Jam. <laughs> very, very much so. Much to Chuck Jones's chagrin. Yes. Because for next week's episode, next week's show, it sniffles the mouse time, baby. <laughs> Finally. Over 150 episodes in, we're finally getting to a Sniffles yeah. episodes. So, Let's go. the ones we are covering are, you know, it just occurred to me, I don't think we've covered a Sniffles cartoon since our, since like episode 20, where we did the director retrospective, and we covered uh, the, the, night, yeah. the Night Watchman. So he's been long enough. So the shorts we're covering next week are... Naughty But Mice, Sniffles and the Bookworm, and Hush My Mouse. Yeah, these are going to be really cute. It's going to be great. Yeah, and I sure hope no Universal Monsters show up near the end for no reason. Oh, God fucking damn it, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Bookworm. Oh. It, the Bookworm one. God damn it. it, it it's, it's literally the... It's literally like the books come alive shorts they did in the early 40s, except... Okay, and so Frankenstein like comes out of it, yeah. Which makes sense, but like, still. Alright, so that's the end of this week's episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem 1995 You can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode... You can follow us at that underscore loony, both on Twitter and Instagram, or type in the podcast title. We are the first results. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Amazon Music. We have a YouTube channel where we post clips from our episodes, uh, as well as little shorts that we also post on our TikTok account we have for no reason. Um, for some reason, that is. Uh, for some reason or no reason, you'd be the, you'd be the judge. Um, uh, so subscribe to us on that. And also, if you haven't already, 
think about maybe uh, supporting our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash TNQAF. Yes, uh, recently on the Patreon, we have a commentary on The Lion King. 1994's Lion King, to be exact. Yeah, not the new one. Alright, so, until next week, I'm lounging Mark Hallam. And I'm glaring at you because it's impossible for me to get a lounge chair in my room because the desk is, is from, like, my 2005 height. Uh, hoping that wherever you are, you're, you're lounging back. Um, and now, now Mark's just rocking. Like, oh, Grandpa, tell us a story. <laughs> and I'm Jordan Schmidt, uh, hoping that uh, your, your, um, your glory holes are well filled. Good night. <laughs>